0: Welcome to the Lessons for Living television program. My name is Bill Santos. Thank you so much for watching. I remember reading the story of Morris Siegel. He was a street person in Los Angeles. And he lived like most street people, roaming around in back alleys, sleeping out of doors, you know, carrying everything he owned in this old shopping cart. Well, he was found in an alley dead of natural causes. Perhaps they suspect heart trouble. The interesting thing is that Morris had over $200,000 in the bank at the time of his death. It seems that Morris' father died and left him the money some 10 years before. Well, Morris never claimed it. The division of unclaimed property tracked him down and his family forced him to accept it. He took only enough money to buy an old car where he would sleep in if the weather was bad. Relatives rented an apartment for him, but he never went there. He died with $3 in his pocket and an untouched fortune in the bank. As Jesus started on his way one day, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees and said, good teacher. He asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life. It's found in Mark chapter 10, beginning at verse 17 through 23. We read Now, as he was going out on the road, one came running, knelt before him, and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. You know the commandments? Do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and your mother. And he answered and said to him, Teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, One thing you lack. Go your way, sell whatever you have and give it to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven and come take up the cross and follow me. But he was sad at this word and went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. And the, the, the disciples were astonished at his words. But Jesus answered again and said to them, "Children, how hard is it for those who trust in riches, to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Wow, that's, a, that's some tough teaching, especially for a generation like ours that has to rent out many warehouses in order to store all their stuff. But there it is. Jesus said, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle Than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Listen, money is a big deal in our lives. Let's confess it. I mean, we like nice things. We like things that are new. We like things that that work. I mean, how many have been lusting after that new ultra high definition 75 inch plasma? I mean, how many wouldn't like to replace slightly worn living room furniture with something much newer, much more attractive? I mean, we like nice things, and in order to have nice things, well, we need money. But Jesus here is warning us that money can ensnare us and separate us from God. Preacher Dr. Harry Emerson Fosdick once said something quite profound. He said, Our grandparents were reared to say, What shall I do to be saved? This generation, he said, has been reared to say, What shall I do? To succeed, We know it's true. It's our culture. And it's very difficult to cut ourselves loose from our cultural obsession with things. You know, there's a story about an old monk who was mentoring a young disciple. Believing that he has the ability to be on his own, the monk allows the boy to live in a lean-to very near the riverbank. Each night, happy as a lark, the young disciple puts out his loincloth, his only possession, he puts it out there to dry. Well, one morning he is dismayed to find that it has been torn to shreds by rats. So he begs for a second loincloth from the villagers. Well, when the rats come to destroy that one, well, he gets a cat to keep the rats away. But now he has to beg not only for food, but also for milk for the cat. Well, to get around that, he buys a cow. Then he has to seek food for the cow. He concludes, well, it would be easier to work the land around his hut. So he leaves off his prayers and his meditation and commits himself to growing crops To feed the cow. The operation expands. He hires workers. He marries a wife who keeps the household running smoothly. Pretty soon, he's one of the wealthiest people in the village. Well, several years later, the mentor monk comes back and finds a mansion where the lean to had been. What's the meaning of this? the monk asks the disciple. He replies, Father, there was no other way for me to keep my loincloth. You see, in the Hebrew tradition, wealthy people were the ones who could spend time reading the scriptures and, and praying. In Fiddler on the Roof, Tevez sings, If I were a rich man, I'd have the time that I lack to sit in the synagogue and pray. And maybe have a seat by the eastern wall, and I discuss the learned books with the holy men seven hours every day. And that would be the th- sweetest thing of all. But that's not what is happening with us. The more stuff we have, the less time we have for God. How can we disentangle ourselves from the social pressures as well as the inner greed? that causes us to fill our lives with all these material things. Well, first of all, we need to take control of our finances. Many families are putting themselves under unnecessary pressure because of finances that are out of control. You know, story of a father who gave his daughter a very generous weekly allowance on the condition that she kept good records of how she spent the money. At the end of the month, the dad was going to check on how she had spent the money. When he checked on how she did, he was delighted that she had kept good records, but he came across several items that were listed as TLOK. In fact, about one-fifth of her money was listed this way. He pulled her aside and asked her, what in the world is TLOK? She said, well, it's this way. Sometimes I did not jot down the amounts I spent. And when I sat down to try to jot down all that I had spent, I couldn't for the life of me remember where I had spent all that money. I couldn't make my accounts balance. So I placed several dollars under TLOK. The father said, but what does it mean? She says, it simply means the Lord only knows. I suspect that a lot of families live by the TLOK method of bookkeeping. We really don't know where our money goes. Some watching need to cut up their credit cards. Some need to cut back on eating out. Some need to sit down maybe with a credit counselor and get out of debt. Letting our finances get out of control can quickly become a spiritual problem. That's why we talk about it. It can place unnecessary burden on our marriage, on our family life, and even on our heart and our emotions. In fact, it can take control of you. You need to take control of your finances. The website practicalmoneyskills.ca asks the question, Health and fitness are among the top resolutions for Canadians, but what about getting your personal finances in shape and becoming financially fit? Every year, Canadians vow to stick to a budget, curb spending, and pay off debt. Coming up with these money resolutions is easy. It's sticking to them. Well, that's the hard part. Anytime the website says, is a great time to evaluate where you stand financially. And it's not too late to make resolutions today. Here are five tips to get your finances in shape according to practicalmoneyskills.ca. Set what they call SMART goals. When it comes to setting financial goals, a simple rule can help your resolution stick. Make sure your goals are SMART, specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and time-sensitive. So instead of having a vague goal such as save more money, a SMART goal might be to put an extra $60 per month away for emergencies. Establishing quantifiable measurements means you can track and be then encouraged by your progress. Telling your friends or family about your financial resolutions will help make you accountable. Track what you spend. For the next few months, write down every penny you spend on rent or mortgage, utilities, groceries, eating out, parking meters, allowances, gas, everything. Also, remember to include their larger infrequent expenses, such as car or home insurance and car maintenance. Start a budget. Knowing where your money goes is an eye-opening experience. You know that only 40% of Canadians use a budget to plan their spending? A budget can help you pay your bills on time, cover unexpected emergencies, and reach your financial goals now and in the future. To build a monthly budget, you'll need to add up your income, estimate expenses, and then figure out the difference. Practical Money Skills, the website, has a series of tools and online calculators to help you get started. Build savings. Savings is never easy, but it's worth it in the long run. Automatic transfers to a savings account offer a convenient way to build your savings. Investigate tools such as uh, the tax-free savings account or registered retirement savings plans. See if that fits with you. How about saving for your child's education? Open uh, a registered education savings plan. Watch your money grow tax-free until it's withdrawn for qualified educational expenditure. Manage debt. If you're in debt, you're not alone. Start out by making a list of everything you owe, whether it's a credit card balance, student loans, or other debts. Reducing uh, debt is like losing weight. You're not going to lose 50 pounds in a month. You need to set realistic goals within realistic time frames. Prepare for the unexpected. There's nothing harder to plan for than the unexpected. The key To successfully surviving these life-changing events, financially at least, is to anticipate hard times. Build an emergency fund that is easy to access in the event of unemployment or illness or a major unplanned expense. Experts recommend saving three to six months of living expenses. Need help figuring out how much to put aside for your emergency fund? Check the calculator there on practicalmoneyskills.ca keeping your finances and information secure when your private financial information gets into the wrong hands the consequences can be devastating take the right security precautions minimize your chances of being victimized protect your passwords and pins review your banking statements for accuracy shred old financial documents before you get rid of them report any suspicion of fraud Also, don't give out personal information on the phone, by mail, or over the internet unless you've initiated the contact and you know who you're dealing with. Take control of your desires. This one's a little bit more challenging. Ask yourself, what would really improve your quality of life? Often the things that will improve our lives are available... Well, without a great outlay of money. A couple of years ago, a book came up. I think it was entitled Trading Up. This book traced the roots of some of our misconceptions about wealth. The 1950s, they said, were a time of increasing prosperity in the United States. But even as personal wealth grew, spending habits changed little. You see, the primary reason why Americans didn't become instant shopaholics, according to these authors, was guilt. You see, that was a generation that had been raised on hard work, thrift, and personal sacrifice. When the marketers realized the potential wealth that was accumulating in the pockets of Americans, they began to change their advertising campaigns to encourage more spending. In the 1960s, there began a barrage of messages from popular influencers that said it was more important for Americans to reach for their dreams, fulfill their emotional needs, be all that they can be, grab the gusto, self-actualize, and not only do all that, but also take care of themselves, look after number one, reward themselves, and build their self-esteem. In other words, advertisers sold us a picture of the good life and that the good life consisted of the possessions that we have accumulated and and many have bought into that. How do we escape that trap? Well, the website becomingminimalist.com provides the following guide. Number one, admit it is possible. There are numerous persons throughout history and the present who have adopted a minimalist lifestyle that rejects and overcomes consumerism. Find motivation in their example and admit you can join their ranks. Victory always begins there. Number two, adopt a traveler's mentality, they say. When we travel, we take only what we need for the journey. As a result, we feel lighter, freer, more flexible. We understand why there is a growing movement to stage our bedrooms like hotel rooms. Adopting a traveler's mindset for life provides the same benefit. Not just for a week-long vacation, but in everything we do, adopt a mindset that seeks to carry only that which you need for the journey. Number three, embrace the life-giving benefits of owning less. Rarely are we invited to consider the benefits of owning less. But when the practical benefits are clearly articulated, they're quickly understood, easily recognized, and often desired. Of course, those benefits are only fully realized when we actually begin living with less. An important step to overcome consumerism is to embrace the reality that there is more to life than what is found in owning things, and that we can have life... Owning less. Become acutely aware of the consumer driven society in which we live. You see, our world will lead you to believe your greatest contribution to the society is the money you spend. I mean, we're faced with some 5,000 advertisements every day calling us to buy more and more, and as a result, average consumer debt equals. $8,000 per household. Shopping malls, well, they outnumber high schools. Americans spend more on jewelry and shoes than on higher education. And 93% of teenage girls rank shopping as their favorite pastime. Recognizing this consumer mindset of our world will not immediately remove you from it but it is an absolutely essential step in the journey. Number five, compare down. Interesting. Theodore Roosevelt once remarked, comparison is the thief of joy. He was, of course, absolutely right. As we begin comparing our lives and possessions to those around us who have more, we lose joy, contentment, and happiness. And we begin trying harder to close the gap. This is because we always compare upward, looking at those who have more. But we could begin breaking that if we began taking greater notice of those who need more and spending time with people who have less but yet remain joyful in those circumstances. Number six, realize your money is only as valuable as what you choose to spend it on. The financial resources we have earned or have been given hold great potential. They can be used to provide for those without. They can be used to bring justice and hope to a world desperately searching for both. We ought to dream bigger dreams for our money. Bigger dreams than the clearance rack at the department store. Number seven, consider the full cost of your purchases. Usually when we purchase an item we only look at the sticker price but that's rarely the full cost. Our purchases always cost us additional time, energy, focus, cleaning, organizing, maintaining, fixing, replacing, removing. Making a habit of intentionally factoring these expenses into our purchases will allow us to make more competent and more confident decisions about our own consumption habits. Number eight, turn the television off. Not right now. Television glamorizes all that it needs to glamorize in order to continue in existence. I mean, corporations don't spend $50 billion every year on television advertisements because they think you cannot buy their product, they spend that much money because they know that through advertising they can get you to buy the product. This is an industry built on the assumption that you can be convinced to spend, and in many cases overspend, your money. You're not immune. Number nine, make gratitude a discipline in your life. Gratitude serves little purpose in us as merely a response to positive circumstances. Gratitude holds its greatest potential as an attitude in undesired circumstances. Embrace it as a discipline during seasons of plenty and seasons of want. Begin focusing more on the blessings rather than your troubles. And number 10, practice generosity. The surest path to contentment is generosity. Giving, forces us to recognize that all we possess and all that we have to offer, we are so blessed. It also allows us to find fulfillment in purpose in helping others. Remember, generosity always leads to contentment with far greater efficiency than contentment leads to generosity. And finally, number 11, Renew your commitment daily. We're bombarded every single day with advertisements from nearly every flat service we encounter. Rejecting and overcoming consumerism is a daily battle. Expect it to be such. Recommit every morning or every hour if necessary. Are there people you enjoy being around? Well, get involved in the church because they enjoy the give and take of being with other like-minded people. The method will differ for each of us, but we don't have to move in lockstep with this materialistic society all around us. If we set our minds to it, we can find alternatives to a lifestyle that requires constant accumulation. Finally, and most important, Remember that our finances, as well as everything else we have, God comes first. If anything in our life comes before God, well, then we're not following Jesus Christ. If you can buy season's tickets, but you can't tithe, you've got a spiritual problem. If we can make a payment on a nicer home, but we can't meet our responsibilities to our church or to the poor in our community, then we're worshiping manum and not God. I know that's tough talk. I know. But I owe it to you to tell it like it is. Let's pray. Gracious God, loving Heavenly Father, thank You for all of the blessings that You have given us, spiritual, physical, and material. Father, I pray that as we consider what You have so graciously given to us, that that will not be an obstacle to our complete surrender to You. Allow us to be generous and giving and loving and place You in first place in everything we have, In everything we do, bless each and every viewer, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, we're always looking for resources to um, help you uh, put into practice in your life some of the teachings from our programs. um, I came across this um, special edition of the Signs of the Times magazine. Uh, it, it's a wonderful magazine, and this one in particular talks about debt-free living. Uh, it includes topics, uh, articles on how to survive the coming economic crisis, uh, obs- obsessions about possessions, and borrowing trouble. This is a wonderful resource if you're looking to take control of your finances. And we'd like to send it to you free. It's a gift. If you'd like to receive this magazine, here's the information you need.
1: TO RECEIVE TODAY'S FREE OFFER, YOU CAN LOG ON TO THE LESSONS FOR LIVING TELEVISION WEBSITE, WWW.L4LTV.COM. THAT'S THE LESSONS FOR LIVING TELEVISION WEBSITE, WWW.L4LTV.COM. YOU CAN ALSO WRITE US AT POST OFFICE BOX 27030, SIMCOE-CONLIN POST OFFICE, Oshawa, ONTARIO, L1G 0A3, AND WE WOULD BE HAPPY TO SEND THE OFFER OUT TO YOU. That's Post Office Box 27030, Simcoe-Conland Post Office, Oshawa, Ontario, L1G 0A3. If you live in Canada, this offer will be sent out to you free and postage paid. For viewers living outside of Canada, shipping charges will apply. If you wish, you could order this offer by calling our 1-800 number and speaking with one of our volunteers at 1-800-972-0337. 1-800-972-0337. Well,
0: we've come to the end of another program. Thank you so much for watching. Uh, Remember our website, l4ltv.com, all kinds of interesting things there. Hope you'll check that out. Uh, Subscribe to our YouTube channel because as a subscriber, every time we add something to the YouTube channel, you'll get notified. Visit our Facebook page, Lessons for Living Television, on Facebook. Follow me on Twitter, uh, Santos underscore uh, Bill. Uh, And remember the other website, MissionNowCanada.com. That website is the part of our ministry that deals with overseas mission work, with building projects, and uh, we provide free dental care and free medical care in different parts of the world. If you'd ever be interested in joining us on, uh, on one of those trips, the, the information is there on the website. If you're interested in donating so that we can have the resources to provide this kind of assistance overseas, then that's the website you're going to want to visit, missionnowcanada.com. Most Saturdays, I'm at my church at 89 Centre Avenue in Toronto. Why not come out and visit us? God bless you. I hope we can do this again next time. We'll see you then.